Here we are, the end of another year. And all of you, like me, are sitting here this morning, having had all the family gatherings and all the get-togethers and all the food and everything, and you're sitting here at 1125, hungry because your stomach has stretched out and your normal breakfast this morning is not holding you over, correct? Am I right? Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. We'll pass the play as soon as we're done. So yeah, here we are, the end of a year. And it's a time that we look and try to figure out and remind ourselves once again why we do what it is that we do, who we are, where we're going, what this looks like going into a new year. So uh, if you're visiting with us, if you've not been with us for a while, if maybe you just forgot, I'm going to put our, our, our vision statement up here on the screen for us. Um, that one's not it. It's the next one. Here we go. All right. FEC Fairburn, we are a diverse family of believers seeking to glorify God make disciples, build family, and reach our community in ways that stretch beyond age, ethnicity, and status. Looking at how the gospel shapes us, as I shared with our college class this morning, our college Sunday school class, what we want more than anything is for people to find who God made them to be in Christ Jesus and live in that. And, and, and how we address Fairburn and the real needs of Fairburn and, and, and everything that goes on inside of our city and our part of South Fulton County, how we look to reach this community each and every day. And to be honest with you, I'm a pastor. You know that, right? Because I'm standing up here. I'm a pastor. I know. Sometimes we lose that with the church. Sometimes we get caught up in the church schedule and the church, uh, this is coming up and that's coming up and we've got to have this and we've got this offering, we've got that offering and where are we with budget and who's going to be, who's, who, are, who is your family deacon and what's the staff doing and how's this functioning that we sometimes forget that, that honing in of, wait, why are we together in the first place? What are we seeking to accomplish? Why are we banded together? Is it just to sing songs and listen to someone speak? Because you got a radio for that, right? You got television for that. Why is it that we willingly come together under these roofs? I say these roofs because, you know, we got a few buildings here. Uh, these roofs to, to look at the scripture and to look at who God made us to be. And so as we go into a new year, I want to just take a moment to ask you a question, a simple question. Have you lost Jesus? Now, now I'm not asking, are you saved? That, that question is going to come up. And I'm not even asking, have you given up on your faith? I'm asking if in the middle of everything that you've got going on in what we call life, have you lost Jesus? Let's go to Luke's gospel, chapter two. Luke's gospel, chapter two, not the beginning of the chapter where Jesus the baby was born, but the end of the chapter where we see an opportunity to ask ourselves this question about losing Jesus. We're gonna be reading verses 41 through 50 together. This is when Jesus is about 12 years old. And if you have your place in scripture and you are able, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read the word of God together, asking ourselves the question as we read, have you lost Jesus? Luke records these for us. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. 
After those days were over, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. And they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. And they did not find him. They returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were so astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. That from generation to generation, you have revealed your heart, your character, your nature, who you are. You have given us your son. You have shown us what it means to be your people. And we can go back to your word each and every day and find just this beautiful fountain flowing of your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. And we find hope and joy for our souls. But Lord, we thank you that your word also draws us to correction, draws us to refocus what we're doing and who we are on the one thing that truly matters, Christ Jesus accomplishing the Father's will. Help us to walk with you this morning. Help us to walk with you this year. Help us to walk with you more clearly as we, as we look to this community, as we look to this church, as we look to this nation and offer the hope of the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you lost something? Have we lost something? Have you ever lost something? Let me take you back 10 years, nine years. Thanksgiving 2010. Thanksgiving 2010, it was just Christy and I. We didn't have kids yet. She was, she was pregnant with Braden, but we had not really told anybody yet. But we were traveling. And, and we went and had Thanksgiving at her uncle's house. Her uncle was a pastor in Greenville, South Carolina, about 45 minutes from where we were living at the time. And so the plan was we were going to go um, and have Thanksgiving with her mom's side of the family there in Greenville at this uncle's house. And, and we were going to go from there, I think, to see my family. And then after that, we were going to go to another part of North Carolina uh, to see Christie's grandmother. And, and so we had a little bit of a problem. I say a problem, but something to figure out. We had a dog that needed to be taken care of. At that time, Christy had a little dog. She was a little Bassett Beagle mix. Her name was Sammy, a great little dog. And we had to do something with Sammy. And Christy's mom said, well, just bring her with you to Lyndon D's. And when we get done there, I will take Sammy back to my house and you can get it from me later. We're like, okay, that's great. So here we are, we're at Thanksgiving with a dog and family everywhere. Christy's got a cousin. And, and this cousin was at the time uh, finishing up his, his last year at, at Clemson University. And, and we'd get together, we'd talk, we'd throw football or whatever. Well, he challenged me that day to a game of cornhole, you know, where you got the bean bags and you throw them at the board with the hole in it and everything. And, and, and Josh and I would get kind of competitive about some stuff, you know, back in the day. And so, so we've got this competition. Well, Christy asked me, before you go, could you walk Sammy? Because I don't want her to use the bathroom in, in Lyndon D's house. Like, okay, I can do that. So I go outside, I've got Sammy, you know, she's doing her thing or whatever. And Josh says, all right, come on, let's play. So I start playing cornhole. 
and I'm getting really into this game, and we're, we're man, man, it's, it's intense. The family's about to break up over this game, right? You know, because and Christy walks out the front door and says, hey, Evan, where's Sammy? She's right here somewhere. I'd gotten so caught up in this game, I forgot my responsibility for just a moment was to walk the dog and get her back inside. So I'm starting to look, I was like, well, yeah, she's, she's got to be right here. I had to tell Josh, Christy's cousin, let's just pause this game for a minute. Because my life or marriage is about to end if I don't find this dog. So here we go. We're looking for the dog. We're looking for the dog. And, we're, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my, seriously, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go back to Anderson, resign my position at the church, and just, you know, because this is all over. It's, it's done. Come to find out, Christy's mom had let Sammy back into the house because Sammy was just wandering around aimlessly in a strange place. You ever lost something? And, and you just stop and you start looking around. You go, I've got to figure out where this is. And, and I look at this passage of scripture and we've got a couple of parents that have lost their child. You, parents, you ever lost your child? Man, few things make you stop in your tracks like, wait, where's the, where's the kid? Where is the child? Where are they? But, but sometimes we have to ask ourselves, have we lost something else? I mean, let's just ask society questions. You think we've lost something as a society? In 1970, the United States of America, consumers in the United States of America spent $12.8 million on pornography. That was 1970. 2018, $16.7 billion. Sounds like we've lost something. Maybe you saw the headlines last week, week before Christmas. Popular basketball star Dwayne Wade, proud of his son for becoming the girl he wants to be. We've lost something as a society, and it's easy for us to point out our fingers to the world and the society that's happened, everything that's going on out there. But what, what about the church? Have we lost stuff as the church, as God's people? Divorce rates in the church look no different than outside of the church. Children within the church are 64% more likely to be molested by someone they know within the church than someone outside of the church. I mean, we have this whole Me Too movement, but it evolved into the Church Too movement. We talked last year extensively about stuff that was being uncovered in our churches. Over 750 cases in the Southern Baptist Convention of, of child molestation. Sexual assault, that was covered up in the church. We've lost something. We, we don't have to look too far to figure out that we have lost something. And in doing so, what we've really lost is clear sight of who Christ Jesus is. The, the biggest thing that we've lost is Jesus. And he's like, how do you lose Jesus? He, I mean, he's right there. How do you lose him? Let's look at what happens in this passage of Scripture. Because parents know you've got to ask yourself, we've been watching Home Alone this past couple of weeks. You know, it's Christmas movie, Christmas time. You know, how do you fly to Paris and leave your eight-year-old at home, right? How does that happen? How do you let your eight-year-old get on a plane to New York when you're going to Miami one year later after you flew to Paris and left him home? All these questions, you ask these things. How do you do that? How do you lose it? How do we lose Jesus? 
It says here in this passage of scripture, every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Man, they were being good Jews. They had come down from Nazareth. They would make the 55, 60 mile trek down to Jerusalem to go through the religious ritual of the Passover. This was the biggest holiday. I mean, this was bigger than Christmas is for us. This was the biggest thing for the Jews. It was the remember, hey, you know what God did for us? He brought us out of Egypt. He didn't take our firstborn. We had the blood of the lamb covering us and every year they would celebrate what God had done so every year they were going to Jerusalem to celebrate and when they were 12 years old when Jesus was 12 years old they had gone down to Jerusalem again you know the story they get ready to go they're loading up they're getting the caravan they start heading back and it says they assumed that Jesus was with them see we lose Jesus when we keep going but Jesus does not and this might be one of the hardest things for us to stomach as a church, as Americans, as, as a civilization. The easiest way for us to lose Jesus is we just keep going the way we're already going, thinking that Jesus is with us, but really he's not. That's what happens to Mary and Joseph. It says there, after those days were over, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming he was traveling with the traveling party, they went on a day's journey. I don't know, parents, about your kids. And some of you might think back to when your, your children were, were younger. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's rarely quiet when we travel. You know, I, I have the daily commute from, from noon and up here and everything. And it's usually kind of quiet in my car because I'm not bringing kids with me. But if we go somewhere and we've got the kids with us, it's never quiet. It doesn't matter if we give them all a set of headphones and turn a movie on. It's still not quiet. Mommy this. Don't touch me that. Quit kicking my seat. Quit grabbing that. Quit quoting the movie. Quit doing all of these things. So much so that if I go anywhere in Christie's van, if I go anywhere in her van, whether I'm by myself or not, when I get to where I'm going, I still open the back doors. We've got the little push button that opens the back. I still open it whether I'm by myself or not because you're just used to it. You, you get so caught up and you're thinking, how did you not know your 12-year-old wasn't with you? What's, they kept going, but Jesus did not. And how often as a church, and I believe this is what plagues too many churches in our country and our society, that we have kept doing the same old, we've kept going the way we were already going, but Jesus has stopped. Jesus has gone a different direction, and we get to a point where we say, how did this happen? It's because we kept going and Jesus didn't. We kept going and Jesus said, so this, this makes me I want to ask another question. How can we call ourselves followers of Christ if we're not actually following him? Isn't that what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ? You remember Peter Pan? We're following the leader, the leader, the leader. We're following the leader wherever he may go, right? If you're a follower... There's someone in the lead that you're going after, right? By definition, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, I, I'm going to cut Mary and Joseph a little slack here. Jesus was 12. They were the parents, right? Parents, you're going to follow your 12-year-old anywhere? All right, we're going to go back home. You navigate, 12-year-old. Let's go. 
You're going to do that? No, you're probably not going to do that. Some of you have 12-year-olds that could navigate you back home. But chances are, if you follow the, the wish and the whim and the will of your 12-year-old, you're going to end up more lost than anything. So I'm going to cut Barry and Joseph a little bit of slack here. But we can't cut ourselves that slack. And we start evaluating where we are in life. And we start asking ourselves questions about, man, how, how did I get here? And, and I'm going to stand up here in front of you, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I have to ask myself this question all the time. Like this morning on the way to church, like I'm, I'm driving down the road, Christy's and the kids are in the van with me and we're, we're driving and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, am I even qualified to, to, to preach this message? How closely have I followed Christ? Have I kept him in front? Have, 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 can I call myself a follower of Christ if I'm not actually following him in every aspect of my life? And this is how we get lost. We're not following him who is the head of the church, who is the one that God has appointed and set in front of us. We're not following, and we have to ask ourselves a question. If we're not following, are we actually followers? Or are we continuing to go our way, do our thing, because, well, it's what we wanted. It's what, let me get American on you, okay? It's what felt right. It's, it's, what, it's what felt good. So I'm just going to do that. Because it makes me feel better about myself. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I've accomplished it. So I'm, I'm going to keep going. When Jesus says, that, that's not who I am. That's not who I've called you to be. And so if we're going to ask ourselves the question, how can we be followers of Christ if we're not actually following him, we've got to flip it around and ask ourselves the next question. How far are we willing to go without being sure Jesus is with us? We've already diagnosed the point that, hey, maybe we're going a direction and Jesus has stopped. Well, how far are we going to keep trudging that line, right? All right, parents, you know this one. You give your child that don't do that instruction. And you see the wheels turning in their head. Don't touch that. And they look at you and they start going. It's like slow motion, right? Like yesterday morning, we're loading up stuff to get out of my father-in-law's house to go and do Christmas with my mother-in-law and Christy's sisters and everything. And uh, they've got their TV sitting on the, on the table there in the living room. And our youngest, our two-year-old, He's up there. He figured out with like a, I guess it's an LCD screen. They've had this TV for like 10 or 12 years. But if you, if you do like this across it, it leaves a line, right? And it disappears as it goes. So, you know, as a two-year-old, hey, that's kind of cool. That looks like something on my tablet that I can draw and do. So like the association's there. So it's like, Caleb, don't touch the TV, That's what we do, right? So it says here in this passage of scripture, it says that after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. And assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. They weren't following Christ. 
And they kept going. Jesus stopped. Jesus stayed behind. Jesus maintained his position where he was. And they kept going and they made it a day. But notice with me, if you will, they had gone a day, but then they had to get back, right? So that means they lost two days. And it says when they got to Jerusalem, they searched for three days before they found him. The problem with continuing to go when Jesus stops is it always takes longer to get back to him than it did when we left him. The, the, the ground that we have to make up is not as simple as, oh, okay, we can just jump back on and we're back up where we're going. No, it always takes longer because there are habits that have to break. There is a retraining of the mind, a restructuring of the heart, a redo of how we operate in life to get back where we're supposed to be. And when it gets to the church level, it might even take decades. Do not forget that God allowed one generation of his people to die in the wilderness before he moved the next generation on. Do not think that he would hesitate to do it again. Don't think, don't hesitate. So it's safer to stick where Christ is and follow him. And if that means that we start reordering and shifting things differently now so that we're closer to where he would have us to be, so be it. So that in 10 years, we're not saying, oh, we've got to retool this whole thing. And it takes us 30 years to get there. Because God said, you know what? This generation's already sailed ship. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna do something with the next one. Maybe we forget. Maybe we forget what happened in the kingdom of David. See, David was the king. It tells us the story over in 2 Samuel. Uh, David's the king there in Jerusalem. And, and there's this terrible drought. It's, it's going on and on. And, and, and David's asking this question. God, what have I done wrong as a king? This is outside of the Bathsheba thing. This is before Bathsheba even happened. He asked the question, what's going on in my heart? Where have I misled that we're in this drought? And God said, no, it's not because of you. It's because of what Saul did 38 years ago that now you're suffering in this drought. How far will we go? without being sure that Christ Jesus is not just with us, but leading the way. Because if Christ is not leading the way and we're not following him, we're going the wrong way. He didn't say, all right, take up your cross and slap a bumper sticker on so I can just tag along wherever you go. So take up your cross and follow me. Have we lost Jesus? Have we lost Jesus? Is it because we've been going when Jesus has not? Sometimes we've lost Jesus. We go to the wrong places to find him. Sometimes we go to the wrong place to find Jesus. Notice what happens with Mary and Joseph. It says there that they assumed that Jesus was the traveling party and they went a day's journey. So they started searching. It says they began to look for him among their relatives and their friends. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's okay to look for Jesus among your family. I would hope that you can find Christ Jesus among your family. But if we are going to Christ Jesus as, or going to our family as the source then we've gone to the wrong place to look for Christ Jesus. We've gone to the wrong place when we go to our family first. 
Now, I want you to have a godly family. I want you to be able to tell your family where to find Christ. I want you to be able to say, you know what? I'm more like Christ because I have a godly family. But you cannot just go to family to get your Jesus fix and think you're okay. You know why? I'm going to be real with you. You're already back from your family vacation, your family get-togethers. Your family's messed up. You know how I know your family's messed up? Because my family's messed up. You know why your family's messed up and why my family's messed up? Because we're in it. All the brokenness of my family starts with me. All the brokenness in your family starts with you. It ain't your crazy uncle, it's your crazy you. Period. In my family, I'm kind of the crazy uncle. Ask my nephew that got an empty box wrapped up for me for Christmas. I'll tell you that story later. This is why our families are broken. Because they're made up of people just like you and just like me. Which is why we cannot rely only on our family. Not only can we not rely only on our family, we can't rely only on our friends and acquaintances. Notice, that's the next place they go. It says there, uh, here we go. They started looking for him around their relatives and their friends, and they didn't find Jesus. Some of you have no hope of finding Jesus among your friends. Period. But I want you to hear me say this. If you don't have lost friends, you need new friends. If you are a follower of Christ and you have zero lost friends, you need new friends. You need to have friends, deep friendships with lost people so that you can continually to pour into them the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you have someone that you have built this long-standing relationship with to help them see the beauty of the one that saved us. But if they don't have Christ, don't go looking for Jesus with them. Mary and Joseph, they've gone a day outside of Jerusalem with no Jesus and they go to other people with no Jesus and say, hey, help me find Jesus. Can't do that. But you do need to have friends that can help you, right? I mean, look look around. Let's just look around the room real quick. We call this church family, right? We are a diverse family of believers, now, I've heard it said so many times. I mean, this, this, is, this is what we call a family by choice. You didn't ask for your parents to be your parents. So if you've got a good mom and a good daddy, you didn't ask for it. If you've got a really bad mom and a really bad dad, guess what? You didn't ask for that either. That, that, that was not by your choice. But this is family by choice. And because this is family by choice, it makes our bond intentional and means something a little bit more. And so right here within these walls are friends that you should be able to go to each and every day to say, you know what? I need you to help me with this problem that I'm having in scripture, in Bible study, in growth, in accountability. I need you to help me find Jesus in this area of my life. We've got to have those kind of friends, but they can't be our sole source. The other place that they go to look, and sometimes we go, is just to religious culture. We go to religious culture. Notice what happens here. It says that when they did not find him among the friends and relatives, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. Okay, we had this big uh, God party over here in Jerusalem. So let me go back to that high emotional moment that I had back where I had Jesus last. Let me just get back there and then I'll be okay. That's emotionalism. You can't do it. 
You can't just pop in that CD with your favorite Christian song on it and all of a sudden have Jesus. You can't just pop in your favorite sermon that I've ever preached or anybody else who's ever preached and say, okay, there it is. I'm back at that moment having Jesus. That's going to religious culture. That's all the trappings. That's no more Christmas than that tree is Christmas. That's part of it, and that might symbolize that there's something there, but that tree ain't Christmas. Yes, I said ain't. I'm sorry. I'm from the South. That tree is not Christmas. It's a, it's a tree. Somebody bought it somewhere. It looks great, though, doesn't it? Tell it by. It won't be here next Sunday. But uh, that's, not, that's not it. That might be a sign pointing to it, but it's not it. Religious culture is not it. And the world around you is trying to find Jesus, not just in friends, not just in family, but they're going to the center of what they perceive to be religious culture. Guess what that is? Google. They're Googling answers about Jesus, trying to find truth. And you know what Google's going to give them? Not truth. They might stumble across something that is true through Google, but they're going to get something put up by the History Channel. They're going to get something put out by Bart Ehrman. They're going to get something put out by some leading atheist blogger that wants to debunk this Christian myth and talk about this historical person of Jesus, but completely leave out who Christ Jesus was as the Son of God. Religious culture will not get you to Jesus. Just coming to church will not get you to Jesus. Just having a Christian t-shirt will not get you to Jesus. Sometimes we go to the wrong places. But then there's a sad reality. And the sad reality is that sometimes we do go to the right place, but it offers the wrong solution. Sad reality is that oftentimes the right place offers the wrong solution. You're like, Evan, what do you mean by that? See, Mary and Joseph, in order to find Jesus, they go back to where they last saw him. Well, close to where they last saw him. They go back to Jerusalem. We'll just say, we'll just call it going to church, right? They went back to church. But it took them three days to still find Jesus. See, no doubt when they got to Jerusalem, now I wasn't there that day. Um, I wasn't there for a couple of thousand years worth of days after that. But I wasn't there that day. But here's no doubt what they found. They found people that were cleaning up all the trappings of the Passover. They heard the merchants. They heard the townspeople. They heard a lot of people talking about a lot of things in and around Jerusalem. And chances are it had shifted from what had just taken place in this celebration of the movement of God among his people and shifted to something maybe political, maybe uh, cultural, maybe social, maybe monetary. Because what we find is that we talk about what matters. We talk about what matters. And the danger of that is a lot of people come to a lot of churches just like ours and it takes a lot of time before they ever hear anything about Jesus. They're hearing stuff about last night's football game. They're hearing stuff about uh, this upcoming election. They're hearing stuff about uh, what happened there. They're hearing stuff about this. They're hearing everything else. But really what they need to hear is Christ Jesus. 
Is it a sin to like football? No. Is it a sin to have a favorite political candidate or party? No. Is it a sin to talk about those things? Not really. But does it prevent somebody from hearing the name of Jesus? I'm fine if you want to be a Republican. I'm fine if you want to be a Democrat. But don't equate that with being a follower of Christ. If you want to be a Democrat for reasons that support the Democratic Party, great. If you want to be a Republican for reasons that support Republican Party, great. But do not, do not whitewash a candidate on any side just because they're your candidate. You want to be a football fan? Be a football fan. You want to be a baseball fan? Be a baseball fan. You want to argue that cheerleading's a sport? Argue that cheerleading's a sport. I dare you. You want to talk about the latest video game? You want to talk about what you and your friends? That's great. But when that becomes a solution you offer somebody that's needing hope outside of Christ Jesus, we have lost Christ Jesus. Plain and simple. Because we're going to talk about what matters to us. That's what we do, right? We talk about what matters to us. Man, family matters to you, you talk about family. If, if sports matters to you, you talk about sports. So we have to remember that we can only offer what we have. So that's what happens to Mary and Joseph in this passage of Scripture. For three days. Because they kept going when Jesus stopped. Because they started by looking at places where Jesus really wasn't. What happens is they get to this religious center, this religious culture, what was supposed to be the right place, because after all, Jesus had been there. And it took them three days because the places they were going could not offer Jesus. Are we a place that can offer Jesus? Are, are we a place, First Baptist Church of Fairburn, sitting on the corner of Broad, whichever half abroad this is, and Malone. Are we a place where people can think, that is where I can find Jesus Christ. They have Jesus among their people. Christ Jesus is living and active at First Baptist. I know if I step foot on that campus, I am going to encounter people who live in Christ. We can only offer what we have. Which brings me to the last point, is that if we're going to find Jesus... It has to be where God has revealed him. If we're going to find Jesus, it's going to be where God has revealed him. Look what happens. All those, it says that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. What do you think they're talking about? They're not talking about Herod. They're not talking about the, the latest gladiator battle at the Roman Coliseum. They didn't get their little uh, scroll three months later. You know, it didn't show up. Oh, this is what happened three months ago, the, the gladiator thing. They're talking about the word of God. They walk into the temple and they see their son, Jesus Christ, talking with the teachers of the law about who God is and how God had revealed himself. Oh, good grief. What happens if that's what people find when they come to church? Imagine that. God's people talking about God's word in God's house. That should not be far-fetched. But folks, I tell you, there are too many churches, and I pray that our church does not become this. Too many churches that talk about everything else. 
And the word of God is just, oh yeah, let me throw a Bible verse on there so we can call this church and send you home. It says there in this passage of scripture that Mary and Joseph didn't understand what was going on. Why did you do this to us? We've been anxiously searching for you. And notice what he says. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house doing what my father sent me to do? What did God send Jesus to do? To be the ultimate revelation of who God is. His great love for us, his purpose for us, who we are, that our sins can be washed away, completely taken away. The stain of your sin and my sin completely removed. And when we find Jesus, it's how God revealed him in all of his glory, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to say, that is the Savior. Have you found Jesus? I pray this morning that in his word you will find him and his Holy Spirit will draw you closer and closer to him.